Martech Stacked, episode 22, with Brandon Olson. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain. And each episode, I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. I'm joined today by a man with more than 15 years of experience in a variety of communications disciplines, including PR, social media, and email. He's currently the head of PR and social media at Aweber, a leading email marketing and automation platform that's helped over 1 million small businesses, entrepreneurs, and online creators connect with their audiences and build profitable businesses. Welcome, Brandon Olson. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you on. Um, Well, you can find Brandon over at aweber.com. So Brandon, explain what Aweber does and how you use different types of marketing technology to make it better. Yeah, that's a good question. Thanks for asking. Um, So Aweber is one of the leading email marketing and automation platforms in the world. Uh, Over the last 20 or so years, 22 years now, uh, they've helped, as you said, David, um, over a million small businesses and online creators not only connect with their audiences, but also grow their business through email marketing and automation. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, when you think about like the mark tech that we use, the marketing technology we use, uh, we're also one of those that kind of falls into that category of marketing technology. Um, and so we use a lot of marketing technology in our own uh, stack to to better connect, better understand our customers um, and our prospects so that we can better communicate, um, you know, know the, the types of messages that they're going to that are going to resonate with them, that they're going to connect with. Um, and ultimately to build a better product, you know, we're we're using our technology our marketing technology to better understand our customers, our prospects, so that we can not only talk to them uh, more appropriately, but also know how to build a product that's really going to serve them the best um, so that ultimately they can grow their business and we can grow our business at the same time. I think that the technology we use helps us in a lot of ways. Not only does it save us time, uh, but it also helps us make better decisions about you know about the business, about our marketing efforts, uh, and also helps us create better experiences for our customers and also our, our our audience as a whole. So has there been a radical shift in terms of the different types of marketing technology that you use within Aweber over the last few years? Or has it been relatively consistent? Uh, I'd say it's been pretty consistent. Um, we're always keeping attuned to the different technologies and software that, that are out there. Um, to make sure that we're not only using the best um, software for our needs, but that you know we're staying um, up to date on what's coming because it's such a rapidly shifting industry the the techno the martech industry that you're, you're you know the there's so many things that are changing um, so many uh, you know technologies that are that are popping up in other industries that are influencing uh, our industry as well so it's important for us to stay up to date I would say that we haven't changed a lot like we may change services here and there um, but Ultimately, we we pretty stay pretty consistent, in just making sure that um, that we're using those technologies to their fullest, learning you know what limitations they have, and um, 
and and using them more and more in, in better ways moving forward. Great stuff. Okay, well, let's dive into some specific tools here. Um, so starting off with number three, uh, what are the top three tools in your current MarTech stack and why? Um, yeah, it's a good question. So uh, I'd say as a company at AWeber, um, there's a lot of tools that we use, but I want to focus some of my my top three on the ones I personally use sure. in my role. Um, but when I think of the company as a whole, there's there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, business uh analytics types of things that come to mind like kiss metrics and google analytics that we use heavily at a weber but in my role personally um, my role is really to better connect with our customers and help them uh, find greater success with email marketing um, to help them grow their knowledge and their skills when it comes to email marketing so any technology that i can leverage to help me better connect with our customers i'm going to pursue and so my third my number three tool that I that I use um, is it's kind of fluctuates, but the, ultimately the goal is to record demos and talking head videos. So I'll I may use Loom, I may use Ecamm Live, I may I may use Zoom. Um, it's kind of depend. I've tried a lot of them. The one that I um, have been using a lot more lately is Ecamm Live uh, because it helps me um, it helps me develop. Uh, both talking head videos and screencasts and demos in a very fast and efficient way. Um, you know, one of my roles at AWeber is to develop our YouTube content um, and kind of direct the strategy on our YouTube channel. And what I've found is that, uh, you know, rather than kind of sitting up in front of a camera and then editing everything together in the end, that takes a lot of time and effort, which I can do. But in order to make my to make the process, the production process a lot faster, and a lot more efficient, um, I've started to use Ecamm Live, which allows me to kind of create scenes and create different looks uh, for the different uh, those different scenes so that I can easily kind of toggle between them and come away with a video that um, is really ready to ready to upload and, and put on YouTube um, without a whole lot of editing. There might be some trimming at the front and the end. Uh, front at the and and uh, at the end, so that um, you know you, you make it nice and and uh, and 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 ready to go. But um, it's it's allowed me to kind of walk away with a video that's re- almost you know ninety eight percent ready to go, and I don't have to do a whole lot of editing. So that's really improved the production time and um, allowed me to to um, you know get more content out there, but also you know be able to move on and focus on other projects as well. I'm aware of Ecamm Live um, because um, obviously many live streamers use it, but it's more of a, a Mac tool, isn't it? I don't think it's available for the PC, is it? I don't believe so. Um, so that's where I've kind of like played around with the different tools. Right now, I'm 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 using more Ecamm Live because uh, because of the ability to kind of create those scenes and shifting between the two. Uh, but I think you can also do the same with like OBS and. Um, Loom is a, another great tool. Loom's a free tool. Um, obviously, they have you know a paid version, but you can create these screencasts um, right from your desktop, and, and regardless of what uh, what you know type of computer you have, whether it's Mac or PC. Um, but uh, yeah, Ecamm Live's uh, been a, a great tool for me. And like you said, people use it a lot to live stream, which I've done as well. But there's also the ability to just record it straight to your desktop from Ecamm Live, which has been a nice, uh, you know, feature for me to, to to really take advantage of. It's a good point. Um, I use vMix quite a bit. Um, I'm 
a PC guy, and uh, that's a, a tool that's just available on the PC. So I guess that's the main reason that I've gravitated towards that particular platform. But by the sound of it, it's something quite similar. And I've used it to record videos as well, uh, and it produces great quality videos. The, the nice thing about when you're not live streaming and you're recording, you can even record it at higher quality. And um, as you, you as you say, you can bring in different scenes and quite quickly produce a video um, with, without having to jump into Premiere Pro or, or, or some other really hardcore tool that um, perhaps takes a long time um, and you know, time is money as well. So it's, it's, that's very important. So um, j just before we move on to tool number two, obviously you say that's for YouTube and your YouTube strategy. So how has your YouTube strategy changed over the last few months or the last year or so? Um, and what are you intending to do over the next six months or so that's, that's going to be a, a bit different? In the past, we've always kind of viewed and approached YouTube as sort of a, a place where we just kind of dump videos, sort of a storage place uh, where we host them and we you know embed them across our website or our blog. Um, but in the last year or so, we've we've kind of changed the way we approach YouTube and and are treating it more as if as it was intended to be treated as a as a social platform. And so, um, the content strategy is different, where we're creating content that's specifically for YouTube. Um, and this could be you know demonstrations um, of our product, but these are also kind of behind the scenes videos uh, that we're doing. If we're going out and interviewing a customer, um, we do that. We're also doing a lot of live streams, uh, which end up getting put onto to YouTube as well. Um, but in the in the short term, we're going to be starting to do more uh, more conceptual, uh, knowledge based um, you know, types of videos that aren't necessarily uh, product demonstrations, but you know, you know, tips and and tricks on how to how to use email effectively, how to automate your emails, things of that nature. Uh, so we've been treating YouTube um, less about um, sort of a place where we kind of dump our videos and more as a place where we are creating content specifically for the platform and building an audience there um, and driving our customers to YouTube to watch that content, to engage with it, to comment on it. Uh, and I've been paying a lot more, a lot closer attention to the metrics on your YouTube videos and seeing a lot of great growth there um, in terms of uh, subscribers, as well as you know watch time improvement. And my goal is to get more of our videos um, because YouTube is the second largest search engine owned by Google. My goal is to get more of our our, our content um, being discovered there on YouTube. Um, and so we're optimizing our titles or descriptions uh, using uh, a tool like uh, TubeTubby, TubeBuddy, excuse me, TubeTubby, TubeBuddy. Um, to, to help us identify keywords, um, help us, you know, create some really compelling, um, you know, headlines and, and descriptions and, and using tags effectively. Uh, so it's really all about kind of being, being discovered, getting our content discovered, because why not leverage the second largest search engine on the internet by playing by the rules and playing by, uh, you know, creating content that they're going to want to recommend to their, to their other, uh, you know, visitors and, 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 uh, video viewers. Yeah, TubeBuddy is certainly recommended by many video marketers. And um, it was actually one of the tools recommended by Mark Asquith in episode number one of uh, Martech Stacked. And Mark Asquith is um, a bit of a brand evangelist for yourselves at Aweber. So you, 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 you'll possibly be aware of him. Um, it's, it's funny, yeah. YouTube, because Google 
in my opinion, ha- hasn't really treated it as a social platform because um, Google, um, you know, certainly 10 years ago or so, um, five years ago even, were focusing on Google Plus and trying to build uh, their own social platform as they saw it to compete with Facebook and the likes. But perhaps they didn't even realize that under their noses, they had this massive um, video platform, YouTube, that was actually a social network as well. And it's it's good to hear you describe that as a a social platform as well. And and you also talked about building your own audience on there and publishing regular, decent content on there. And you you touched upon the the fact that you'd... um, um, make your audience aware when you'd publish content on there. So, I mean, w- w- what's your strategy for launching content on YouTube? If you've published a great video that you're proud of on YouTube, um, do you have a certain strategy? Do you um, send an email out to your your list? Do you use paid promotion on YouTube to actually drive more views to it? There's a number of things we do uh, when it comes to getting our our audience to those videos, that video content on YouTube. Um, we'll, we'll put it out in, in, in one of our emails every week. Uh, so we do a, a weekly series called weekly win, uh, to our audience where we will really cover like a specific, um, you know, thing that they could do within their account, uh, that might be, you know, split testing your emails or, you know, setting up an, a sales landing page. Um, and so we'll do this weekly series, uh, which will be accompanied by a video walkthrough and showing how to do it. Um, so that helps kind of drive our, our customers to that content on YouTube where they're able to watch it. We're able to you know, comment on it, ask questions, uh, and we're able to have a dialogue with our, with our customers in that way. Um, the other team members of the marketing team at Aweber also kind of look, look at that content that we're producing and find ways that they can incorporate it into the other content they're producing. So it might be a blog post and they might see a video that we recently did about you know, automating your emails and they think it's a, a perfect fit for the content they're producing. And so they'll incorporate that into their content there. Um, we're also distributing it, sh- distributing that video content uh, on other social platforms. So we might have, um, you know, some tweets that go out or a Facebook post or LinkedIn post that um, links back to that YouTube content uh, where they can consume more of that. Um, but I will say that, you know, a lot of times what we'll do with our content um because we want to play to the social networks, um, you know, we want to play within their rules and, and really kind of do things that are going to make them happy. So, you know, you know, oftentimes sharing a YouTube video on Facebook isn't going to be as effective as actually putting that video on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with LinkedIn. Um, they're more likely to, you know, they like it when you keep people on their platform rather than sending them off to somewhere else. So, you know, if we produce something on YouTube um, and we see a use for it on Facebook, we might take that video, put it on Facebook as well, because uh, we're going to see better, better results, better reach and, and engagement uh, if we're keeping people on the platform. Hopefully that answers your question. Yes, uh, I, I could keep on asking questions about YouTube and we could have a lengthy conversation just upon that, but I'm going to not go down that rabbit hole and uh, say that's number three. Ecamm Live is uh, your Martech tool number three. So what is your tool number two? Yeah, I mentioned that we do live streaming. So I'm gonna, my second tool uh, that, that I'll highlight is uh, StreamYard. Um, and we do a lot of live streaming to our audience. We do a weekly, uh, what we call our office hours, where um, our customers can come for, the, for an hour and ask us questions. Um, 
can we can give demonstrations on products, um, new features that we that we're rolling out. Um, so we've we've found a tremendous amount of value in connecting with our customers in that way, using live streaming because it allows us to have that two way conversation with them. Um, we started those office hours at the start of COVID when COVID kind of shut everything down uh, as a way to kind of help our customers in the in their time of need. Um, and we've seen a really great response from our customers um, with a ton of engagement. Uh, but the real proof in the value that that came from doing these live streams with our customers was um, looking at our customers' activity on our platform after engaging in those live streams. Um, across the board, we saw a retention at 100%. And um, they began using parts of the platform that they hadn't used before as a result of, 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 of attending those live streams and learning from, uh, from us and from the other team members at Aweber um, on how they can use the platform better. So live streaming has been a really, uh, a really effective way for us to connect with our audience and, and really strengthen that relationship with them, help them be more successful with, uh, with the platform. And uh, we're starting to incorporate more um, sort of users into that live stream. So we're going to be inviting in more of our customers, uh, influencers, uh, some of our advocates on to share their knowledge and expertise and, and, uh, and also kind of mix in the ability to, you know, teach and, and um, you know, provide some support to our customers as they have questions about how to do email marketing and, and, uh, and automation. Great. Yeah, I love StreamYard as well. Uh, I use StreamYard sometimes actually just to record videos as well. Um, when I'm having a conversation with people and maybe I want them to share their screen, and I want to change screens between me and them. It's a very easy way to do that and to get that into the video recording itself. Um, just save the video recording and then publish it afterwards if I want to do that. Um, just two things that I would love StreamYard to do. Um, number one, uh, introduce hotkeys um, so that I can use a stream deck with StreamYard to automatically change between scenes without um, using my mouse and um, uh, having to uh, make sure I'm on the, on, the, on the right tab in my browser. Uh, and number two, uh, when I record podcasts, I want to record each participant on an individual audio track and ideally an individual video track if they had the in their recordings afterwards the ability to download each individual participant's separate audio and then for me to save that so i could edit each track separately then i can't imagine me using hardly any other software apart from Streamyard. but apart from that i love it yeah that's great yeah it's do, been do, a super easy tool to use especially for a lot of our customers too where you know, they may not have a lot of experience with live streaming. StreamYard makes it very, very easy to to get started with with live streaming. Do you use it to like re record a podcast or uh, anything else as well? No, actually, we've we haven't used it for podcasting or recording other videos. It's mainly been uh, just live streaming to our social channels. Um, we've also used Stream uh, Restream in the past as well, and we still have an account with with Restream. Um, but until recently, before I think recently they they uh, made it available where you can actually schedule live streams in advance through Restream. Um, we haven't used Restream because of that, because of that limitation, where if we wanted to schedule stuff in advance, uh, let's say like a week out, we couldn't do that. Um, and so I think recently they introduced that, that feature. So I'm kind of looking at the two of them now and figuring out which one we want to use. Um, so we'll be testing out. And, and that's kind of one of the things I... Um, 
I focus on is, you know, I know MarTech is, is ever evolving. And so always kind of revisiting and testing is an important part of, of, uh, of, of marketing technology. Definitely a great point because tools stagnate. Something that's great um, may not be updated and then just may not work with future versions of browsers or, or, or whatever. So very quickly it can, it can go out of date. Uh, I, I, I use them like Restream as well. Um, I think Restream isn't quite as good as StreamYard in terms of the studio that they have. Um, Restream, I believe, were first to offer 1080 um, HD video and and I think also stereo as well, although StreamYard's caught up with that as well. But it's always great to have two different competitors pushing each other along and hopefully both improving more rapidly because of it. Yeah, and I think it's important to uh, to you know, just make sure you're familiar with the other technologies too. Because if something happens where, you know, StreamYard crashes, for example, um, you need to be familiar enough with another platform uh, as a backup so that you can not miss a beat with, with you know, the, your, your marketing efforts. Great point, yeah. So Ecamm Live, MarTech tool number three, StreamYard tool number two, what is tool number one? Well, I save the best for last. Uh, and, you know, one of the tools that I use on an everyday basis is, is our own platform, AWeber. Um, so we, we like to talk about uh, eating our own dog food. And, you know, if we expect people to use our platform, we need to be using it ourselves and we need to understand it inside and out. And, um, you know, the team and myself, we use AWeber uh, on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, not only to create and send out emails to our audience, but also to, you know, build out landing pages and landing pages and automated campaigns uh, to analyze our results, see how our emails are performing, what we can learn from them, uh, how we can improve future emails and optimize those. Um, so that would be my number one tool because it's it's such a versatile tool. You can send emails, you can build landing pages, you can build signup forms. Uh, very soon, you'll be able to use uh, web push notifications in Aweber to you know, target your, your website visitors and not necessarily your, um, your email subscribers. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of things you can do, uh, when it comes to Aweber, um, that what we, we like to call our, you know, they're powerfully simple email marketing tools that really allow you to do things that are very powerful, but, um, are very easy to use at the same time. Okay. Um, I've had an Aweber account for longer than many marketers have had careers, I think since about 2007, 2008 or so. And um, uh, it's um, it, it, it was certainly one of the first platforms to offer a, a, an easy to use online interface that you could just get on there and you could uh, create an autoresponder, you could create an email newsletter and just get it out there quickly and easily. Obviously, in the, in the last five to 10 years, so many other options have become available and the, the way that marketers and people communicate has has evolved. Um, you touched on web notifications there. What, what's what, what what would be a key use of that? And perhaps what's one or two other areas that um, that Aweber have evolved over over the last two or three years that a marketer that perhaps haven't hasn't used it uh, in that time may be surprised. Yeah, um, I'll start with web push notifications because I uh, I mentioned that there at the end. Um, so this is a product that a feature that we're going to be rolling out uh, very soon. Um, we announced it uh, a month or so ago that it was coming. Uh, but basically, what web push notifications are is uh, these are notifications that you can actually push out to people uh, regardless of where they are on the internet. So they might be on 
you know, Facebook, or they might be on someone else's website. Um, you can push out a notification, which prompt, you know, pops up a browser notification that says, Hey, you know, I've got some new content or I've got a new podcast episode, or I've got, you know, a new event. Um, so it allows you to, uh, reach your audience directly, regardless of where they are, the internet, um, and it doesn't require them to provide you with any information like their name or email address. Uh, all they have to do is, and I'm sure you've seen them if you've been around the web, you know, you might see when you get to a website, it, it pops up and says, hey, do you want, uh, do you want to subscribe to our notifications? And you click allow or, or don't allow. When you click allow, that gives them the ability to push that notification out to you whenever they want and wherever you are on the internet. And it brings them back to whatever the call to action is. So uh, some good use cases when it comes to that is if you're a content creator, if you've got new content, a new a new podcast episode, a new blog post, um, a new YouTube video, uh, you can notify your your uh, push notification subscribers to let them know, hey, I've got this new content, come check it out right now. Um, uh, if you're a retailer, you know if you've got a new product or a new sale, you can push that out directly to your uh, to your audience, um, you know regardless of where they are on the web. Um, so there's a, uh, those are a couple of the most common use cases that we hear about when it comes to uh, web push notifications. So, so just while you're chatting about that, while you're thinking about web push notifications, do you have any thoughts on best practice with that? Because it's obviously a technology that could be overused and could, could potentially annoy people a little bit. Um, how often should a marketer perhaps send one of these notifications or does it simply depend on how engaged the customer is? Yeah, that's a good question. I am... I, I'll be the first to say I'm not an expert yet in when it comes to web push notifications. And, you know, speaking of live streaming, you know, my, one of the things I'll be focused on um, in the next couple of months is, is finding some of those experts that, that we can bring on as, as, as guests on live streams to really dive into web push notifications and some of those tips and best practices. But, you know, in general, um, you know, think about your audience and think about, uh, you know, your, your email cadence. So if you're sending out notifications to your emails, to your, to your audience on a daily basis, they're used to that. And so, you know, you, you might align your, your notification, um, you know, cadence in the same way. Uh, that being said, you know, it's when you use the push notifications, you, you are pushing something in front of your audience. And so you have to be mindful of, uh, of, of not overloading your, your audience with, with, you know, with those notifications. So um, be mindful of that and, and limit just how much you're sending out to them and make sure it's important. So, you know, because you're pushing it in front of them, it's got to be important. Um, it might be, you know, new content that you've got. Uh, it might be a new product or a new sale that has a, a very timely trait to it. So um, I would say, you know, it kind of, it's going to depend on your audience and, and kind of what they expect from you. But um, you can pay attention to your unsubscribe rates and see, okay, am I pushing too much? People are unsubscribing a lot. Um, and that could also mean that they just don't like the content you're pushing out to them. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a matter of kind of testing things out, uh, watching your metrics and making sure that you're not seeing huge spikes of, of unsubscribes um, when you push out those notifications. And if you are, you know, maybe it's frequency or maybe it's the type of content you're putting out there. But um, you know, I think you just got to be mindful of that and, and pay attention to the, the metrics. Yeah, I, th I think the good answer, I think it all depends on the consistency that you deliver your communications and uh, what expectations your users have. If people, I mean, Groupon's not 
as popular now as it, as it was a few years ago, certainly in, in, in the UK. But um, when people signed up to those deals to begin with, they wanted and expected emails every single day. But if you're a business that hasn't sent an email for six months and suddenly you send an email every single day, quickly you're going to annoy people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's important to stay consistent, um, set those expectations with your audience. If they know to expect a weekly email from you, make sure that you're not you know, abusing that and sending them, you know, multi, you know, daily or multi-daily uh, emails to them and don't go quiet for six months. And then all of a sudden expect them to, um, you know, respond in a, in a positive way. Once you start emailing them again, um, you'd asked about some other yes. things that, uh, um, you know, that we've been focused on the last couple of years. Uh, landing pages is another one. So um, up until I'd say maybe five or six months ago, uh, we haven't had you haven't had the ability to build landing pages in Aweber, and uh, we rolled out our new landing page builder uh, about six, five or six months ago, uh, which now allows you to build um, complete landing pages on Aweber. Um, you know that are very rich and robust. You've got uh, you can put images and video and, and text on there, uh, but beyond that, you can. Uh, we have a, we just launched a, a new smart content element, uh, which allows you to embed some some smart content there. Some more uh, interactive content. So you've got a podcast, you know, David, and you can embed your podcast player right onto your Aweber landing page now using the smart content element. And all you really need is a link to that podcast episode to put it right there. Um, you know, Spotify, Buzzsprout. I don't know what what uh, platform or host you're using. It's, but, it's, it's um, hosted on Captivate. Um, okay, great. Yeah, Mark's uh, Mark's sure. uh, company. So, you know, you can, you can embed, uh, you know, things on there if you're a podcaster or if you want to put surveys on there, you can embed, embed those on there. Um, so it's your, an ability to really kind of create a, a really robust uh, landing page. Um, you know, even if you have a website, if you just want to spin up a quick landing page to drive people to, to sign up for a webinar or an event or, or what have you, you can do that. Um, but it's great for those who don't have a website and need somewhere to send people in order to, to sign up and to opt in. But, but beyond that, it doesn't have to be used just for opt-in pages. You can also use it for sales pages and to direct people to you know, make a purchase as well. Oh, certainly something for people to test that haven't been um, on Aweber for a while. So um, great sharing. Thanks for that. Uh, let, yep. Let's move on to asking you the next question. And that's um, as your business grows, so as Aweber grows, What's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? Yeah, I, I thought about that question um, <clears throat> before the, the interview and, and I kept coming back to um, you know, being able to identify the right influencers to, to partner with and to work with. Um, and there may be a technology out there, but one of the things that, um, you know, had, that we've kind of been in manual mode for a long time is, is discovering the right influencers to, to work with and to partner with and to collaborate with. Spark Toro? Uh, so right have, now, you, have you tried Spark Toro? No, but I, I watched, um, I watched Rand's episode with you and, <laughs> and uh, I'll have to be checking that out as well. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that we do, uh, the, the team and I, however, do a lot manually right now is, is searching for the right people. Uh, it might be in our customer database. It might be, you know, outside of our customer database. But we st we spend a lot of time, uh, kind of trying to identify the right people to work with and the right people to partner with. So it'd be great to be able to automate that and be able to discover those influencers um, 
and those the right people to to work with in the future in a little easier way. And it sounds like SparkToro might be a good option for us. Yeah, definitely. And um, listener, if you haven't listened or consumed Rand's episode yet, please go to that. He, he doesn't hold back on <laughs> opinions about one. many different things. Yeah. <laughs> And um, what's something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that perhaps doesn't even exist yet, but you would love to see created? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, thought about that one and what I kept coming back to. And this is kind of an age old challenge uh, for marketers and and specifically PR pros. And um, that's kind of my background is in, is in public relations. And one of the things that uh, we always struggle with is... Um, is measuring the 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 impact of awareness, um, and this could also kind of be tied to attribution as well. But how do you measure awareness? Um, you know, without launching an expensive sort of market research project or or effort, or paying you know thousands, uh, tens of thousands of dollars to to perform that market research. Um, so if I you know had if I could find a uh, a piece of marketing technology that would allow us to more easily and effectively measure awareness and measure attribution. Um, that would be a, a big, big deal, a big, big win for me, uh, because it is one thing that is, is hard. To, it's hard to measure. Um, it's easy to measure, you know, direct, you know, direct, um, you know, traffic and direct conversions. But when it comes to just brand awareness, uh, that becomes a little, little tougher to, to, to measure. Definitely. I think the main challenge with that in bigger companies is the fact that it's harder to justify spending lots of money on that internally. And it's it's easier when times get tough or just, just any time to say, what's the direct impact of this particular traffic referral source? And if you can say specifically this referral source drove... This number of signups, or resulted in this 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 um, income. That's um, it's easier to say that, but uh, the, the challenge is uh, is that if you don't build brand, your paid ads aren't going to be as successful. Your click through rates on your organic listings aren't going to be as successful as well. So everything ties together. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the the hard part of marketing is is it all ties together, but sometimes it's really hard to to measure all those different things unless you've got like you're saying, those direct traffic and the direct sources that you're able to track. Well, Brandon, we've talked a lot um, about many different things and uh, the discussion over the last half hour or so um, from from video to brand to email, and, uh, even web chat as well. Is, is there any uh, particular web notifications rather? Is there any one key takeaway that you would like to, to leave the listener with? I think the, the main takeaway that I would say from our discussion today is that you need to find ways, use this marketing technology to uh, better understand your audience. And um, that will pay off in a lot of different ways. It will pay off in better content, um, better messaging to your audience. It will pay off in a better product or service. Um, and it will make your processes and, um, and efforts a lot more efficient and a lot more time uh, you know, timely and, and time savings um, when it comes down to it. So understand your audience and use your, use your marketing technology to do that. And if you're not using, if you're not understanding your audience through the technology that you're using, um, then you need to find ways that you can use it more effectively um, because that's really what it's intended to be used for is to better understand and better communicate, better connect with your audience. And, uh, and I think that's one of the biggest benefits of, of the MarkTech uh, that's out there on the market today. 
Great advice. Yeah, focus on your audience and actually use that insight uh, to deliver a more effective, targeted, appropriate communication for that audience and hopefully improve your conversion rates over the long term because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Superb. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for your time and your tips. What's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me first off. And um, I'd love to connect with anyone who's listening. Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn at Brandon P. Olson. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. That's, that's my handle, Brandon P. Olson. And if you want to send me a, a, an email, uh, it's brandono at aweber.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about Aweber, we offer uh, free accounts. So you can start for free at aweber.com. Superb. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks so much. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus check out all the other MarTech Stack show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again. <laughs>